I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a happy Halloween to you! This special spooky episode is all about your stories, questions and paranormal encounters with extraterrestrial spirits, monsters and the unexplained. Before we jump into your stories, I want to say a huge thank you to so many of you uh, that have been getting in touch uh, through email at paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com and on WhatsApp. And here's the number again, 07599-927-537. That's 07599-927-537. And you have been phoning in and giving us loads of your wonderful stories um, and also some ideas and lots of questions as well. So, for instance, Jess wrote in and asked this question. Hi, Yvette. I'm really interested in finding out how you properly got into the paranormal and what made you make your own ghost hunting show. Did you have to learn a lot before producing the show? Loving the podcast. Kind regards. To Jess. Well, those are brilliant uh, questions. And for those of you who are fans of Most Haunted or have been following um, the story from its conception, uh, then I hope I won't bore you uh, because here you go, Jess, this is how it began. So I'd always really been fascinated um, in the world of the paranormal. It scared me a little bit, but I was always very mystified. Right from the very beginning, when I grew up in the 1970s, and me and my mum used to watch a programme called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. And every month there used to be a magazine that would come out um, uh, to coincide with the uh, TV show. And on this particular month, a magazine came out which was called Voices from the Dead. Um, inside the magazine, there was a little vinyl, a record that you could put onto the record player. And my mum put it on, not really knowing what was about to happen. And all of a sudden, the whole house was flooded with these horrific noises and voices. Oh, hello. Oh, absolutely horrendous. And my mum was so terrified. She ripped the little um, record off the record machine and threw the record into the fire. And we never spoke of it again. And then years and years later, I had my own experiences with the paranormal. So as I say, there was always an interest and a fascination there. 
but it was on one particular Sunday. I remember it was rainy, it was horrible and windy outside. The fire was on in the front room and Carl and I were, I think we were having crumpets and tea at the time. And um, I think Mary, who was only a baby, I think she was sort of one year, one year old, and William, who was six at the time. So they were upstairs um, doing what, what little babies and kids do. And Carl and I had a knock at the door and it was a friend of ours and he'd just come back from a place called Michelin Priory. And I know I've talked about this many times before, but I just find that this story is really weird and fascinating um, because he was telling us all about this wonderful place. And as he was leaving, he was saying, oh, by the way, it's got 13 ghosts. You should, you should go there. And Carl and I sat up all night. Now, previous to this, um, I had watched about a month before The Blair Witch Project, and I thought it was just a beautifully, fabulously shot movie. And it was kind of the first of its kind, really. Um, you know, it sort of, I think it scared Hollywood because it wasn't this big blockbuster movie. It was sort of shot on a, on a small camera that anybody could get. So it was sort of opening the world, really, for anybody to go out and make their own movies. Um, and I loved the night vision factor to it. So Carl had said, you know, would I fancy spending the night in a haunted house with a camera crew? And I said, oh, yeah, how about we take some of these night vision cameras? And that was how the idea of Most Haunted came about. We came up with the original title of the show, which was called Yvette's Haunting Truths. I mean, no wonder why they changed it. I mean, good grief, what a terrible name. Um, but anyway, it was changed to Most Haunted, but could we sell this pilot program that we had made? We used all our own savings for our, of our own money. Uh, we really believed in this project. And this is why I was saying it's bizarre because it almost felt like we were being pushed to do it from hands beyond in a different realm, really. Because um, we'd never thought about it before. It, it was strange. But why did we have such a passion? Where did it come from? Um, like I say, I touched on it before and was intrigued, but never to actually go out and make a program about it. It was extraordinary. And like I say, nobody wanted this program. We tried every single television channel possible and nobody wanted it. And it was purely a friend of a friend who sat and watched it, who happened to be the head of a television channel at the time. And Carl said, what's wrong with it, Arch? Can you tell us what's wrong with it? And uh, he watched the program. It was 30 minutes long and he then turned to Carl and said, I'll have it. And I remember the day because Carl was flying off to film something in Mauritius and I was tidying up some Lego bricks uh, from the kids in the, in the front room. They were all over the floor and the phone went and Carl rang me and said, we've sold it. And I dropped to my knees and I was crying, but I was in agony at the same time because my knee had smacked onto a small Lego part. So I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. And it was learning on the job, really, um, Jess. It was very much, uh, I did my research. I looked at, obviously, we talked about Harry Price in a previous podcast. I looked through his books and ghost hunting equipment that you would need. I, I spoke to a few scientists and talked about the paranormal and their thoughts. And, you know, how do you think I should go into this? And even though every single one of them said, go into it logically, think logically. And if you can't explain what's gone on, then it could be paranormal but I couldn't help it. And as soon as I did my first episode at Michelin Priory, I was petrified, absolutely terrified. So I hope that answers that question. I know it was a bit of a long answer there. And we've got another question, um, and this is from Melissa. 
Hello Yvette, my name is Melissa, I'm 13 years old and I have a really important question. I want to be a paranormal investigator like you and I want to know what to do in a scary situation and where should I investigate? Well, I mean, goodness, like I've just said, the first time I ever went into that situation and at Michelin Priory, my first ever investigation, and they were incredibly scary. And for anybody that says to me, oh, you know, you're always scared, you're always jumping, and I think, well, how would you react even if you didn't believe in the paranormal and you thought it was a load of old rubbish? How would you react if you were stood completely on your own you were in a cellar where allegedly a murder had been committed. You'd just done a Ouija board session and then you were left on your own. And somewhere, out of nowhere, a big loud bang goes off in your ear. As if someone's walked up behind you and banged a, a, a paper bag right in your ear. How would you react? I think you'd be on the ceiling. And I think if they were honest, 95% of human beings would admit to that. The thing is, is to just take everything in your stride. And it, I would be a liar if I said to you, you're not going to be scared. You are going to scream. You are going to have shocks. Of course you are. The most hardened paranormal investigator is going to be frightened and scream and shock. And a lot of men clutch their pearls and do what I call the pony trot, Melissa. So you're going to do a few of those things. Of course, we're only human. And it's the fight or flight scenario, isn't it? You know, you're either going to want to run or you're going to want to fight. And I've, I've seen, I, I remember doing a Most Haunted and we invited the English rugby team. And I watched these butch men running around like frightened chickens, I can tell you. So you are going to be in scary situations. Um, but try and think logically, if at all possible. So after you've had your initial, initial scare, try and think logically. Could the door have been blown by a, a, a breeze? You know, could that noise have been something uh, else that, that has a logical explanation? For instance, central heating pipes, could they be creaking or banging? Is it the building, particularly if it's timber, is it cooling down at the end of a day and so therefore the floorboards are going to make those creaking, cracking noises? Nine times out of ten, there is a logical explanation for a lot of things that we experience, but it's the 5% that make it worth hanging on to and to continue investigating. And where could you possibly go? Well, it depends where you live. Do let me know, Melissa, uh, where you live, and I'll probably try and find somewhere really good for you to go and investigate. But one thing I would say, being 13, don't go on your own. Go with a parent or somebody over the age of 18. And if you do go with somebody, always keep in close contact with that person, shouting distance or take walkie-talkies. And you can buy them. They're very, very cheap. And the most important thing to remember is to have fun. So our first story today is from Kerry, who got in touch on WhatsApp with a very chilling story where she was awoken by the spirit of her cousin. Hi, my name's Kerry. My paranormal experience was when I was a young child. My cousin passed away tragically in an accident um, when I was seven years of age. And then two years later, when I was nine, I was sleeping in that bedroom that was hers to be fast asleep in the middle of the night for somebody to be pressing my back, waking me up, calling my name. It did take me a while to come round. I remember saying the word stop 
don't stop waking me up because I was a child. And I did briefly hear my cousin's voice say to somebody else, I can't wake her up. Wake her up. Then I started to come round slightly. I looked around, turned around to the end of the bed to see her stood there. I see her hair moving and could recognise her voice. And she was saying to me, hi, I've just come to see you. Are you OK? And me being a nine-year-old child, screamed, tried to hit out, dived out the bed, run round for absolutely nothing to be there. Um, I just could not go back in that bedroom after that. I just refused to sleep in at my aunt's house after that. And that's what's made me really interested in the paranormal. Wow, Kerry, that's a fantastic story, but also really scary. I can imagine uh, being a, a young age like like you were and that happening. That must have been absolutely terrified. And I, I don't blame you for not wanting to ever sleep in that room uh, again. But what gets me is the fact that you actually heard your cousin's little voice saying, I can't wake her up and are you OK? Now, I don't know if we've um, covered um, sleep states in our podcast, but um, if I haven't, I'll just enlighten you a little bit. There are many different types of sleep states, but two really do sort of coincide with paranormal activity. And a lot of people think that when they're going to sleep or when they're waking up from sleep, they actually see and feel spirits in their room or sat on their bed. Now, for instance, hip Napompic sleep state is when that you are waking up from a sleep state. And it's when the right temporal lobe of the brain is incredibly active. And so as you are um, waking up from a sleep state, you're more than likely to still sort of be in a dreamlike state. And perhaps you just dreamt of seeing a person um, or um, uh, a dark shadow in the dream that you can't quite make out. Perhaps also there's a feeling of being paralyzed. You can't quite move your body. Sleep paralysis, that's another sleep state. And it gives us a feeling of absolute terror or of seeing something at the foot of the bed. Hypnagogic sleep state is when you're actually going to sleep. And again, the, the brain is so active at, the, at this, again, the brain is so active at this point. It, it really is quite interesting how it can make you believe that you're actually seeing something in your room or feeling something. And you're not, it's just your brain. So could you have been in some sort of sleep state, Kerry, when you uh, heard and saw your cousin? But I don't think so. The fact that you actually heard her talking, saying, I can't wake her up, is absolutely fascinating to me. And I don't think that that could have been a sleep state. I'm saying I don't think, doesn't mean to say that I'm right, but in my experience, I think that you really did experience your cousin and she wanted to let you know that she was all right. Possibly because in your young uh, years, you were fretting, worried about her. The fact that you lost a, a family member so young subconsciously plays a very important part on a young person's mind and can affect you. So I really believe that your cousin came to visit you. And we've had similar situations happen with myself. Uh, and my poor mum went through an absolute terrible time. And she refuses to stay in our house where I'm speaking to you from now. There's one particular bedroom called the green bedroom, hence because obviously it's painted green. 
And she stayed in this in the bedroom uh, a couple of times, and both times she's felt herself being pulled out of the bed. I mean, can you imagine how frightening that would be? I would not like to experience that at all. But on both occasions, she woke up for this feeling and then seeing a large man in shadow standing by the side of her and peering over her. I mean, how frightening is that? Now, that's happened a couple of times. Other things have happened in the house just to my mum and to, to other people, but never, I've never experienced the same things that my mum uh, has experienced. But funnily enough, years later, myself and Carl were, were at a garden centre and we met the old owner of our house. And I said, I have to ask you, I know when I originally asked you if the house was haunted, you said no, but come on now, tell us the truth. Was it haunted when you were here? And she said, oh, yes, it was. She said, have you seen the man in the green bedroom? Did he stand over you? And I had always sort of tried to calm my mum down by saying, mum, it's a sleep state. You were obviously dreaming and you've seen this man. But now I know that it's real. Our second story is from Maddie who had a surreal experience on the motorway that changed her opinions on the paranormal forever. I've always been a fan of the paranormal, but I've never really believed in ghosts as much as I enjoy reading like ghost stories and things like that. I've just never believed in it until I had an experience a few months ago. It was towards the end of June this year and my mum and I were driving along the M55 between Preston and Blackpool, which we do quite regularly. My mum was driving in the middle lane. As I was looking out of the window, I suddenly saw a woman walking along the hard shoulder. She was quite strange looking. She was tall and thin with long blonde hair, wearing a pink tank top and a white miniskirt. But she wasn't wearing any shoes, which I thought was obviously really strange. So when I first saw her, my initial thoughts were, oh my God, has she broken down? What is she doing? That's so dangerous. Where's her car? She needs to be behind the barrier or she'll get hurt. Because the motorway at the end of the day is really dangerous. So I was really worried about her because it was cold, it was early, and she wasn't really wearing appropriate clothing for how chilly it was. And then suddenly an ambulance went past in the first lane and the woman just disappeared behind the ambulance that completely disappeared. There wasn't enough time for her to get over the hard shoulder, there wasn't enough time for her to get behind any trees, and I, she just vanished completely. I was so shocked, I looked in the wing mirror of my mum's car as we drove past, and there was nothing there that could have looked like the woman or anything. She just completely vanished. And I just sat in shock for a few moments, trying to come up with an explanation. But there wasn't any anything that could have explained why I saw a woman walking along the hard shoulder. And I have such a vivid image of her in my head. I could describe every detail of her. So I immediately asked my mum if she'd seen anything, but she was concentrating on driving. As only a few minutes before this occurred, she had to suddenly swerve out of the way of a car that abruptly changed lanes, and it nearly killed us. It was so dangerous. But as I explained what I saw, she agreed that it was very strange. And the whole journey, I couldn't stop thinking about this woman. And I kind of just realised that it was probably something paranormal because there was no other explanation 
So when I got home, I did some research if there'd been any incidents or deaths on that motorway of that area. And I found out that in 2004, a young woman had died whilst walking along the same motorway with no shoes, bag or identification, trying to flag down cars. It happened at the same time of year, pretty much within the same week as I saw her. And it kind of coincided with like the 2004 look and everything like that. So from learning this, I have so many questions because I keep thinking like, was it the spirit of this woman I saw? Was the near miss that me and my mum had allowed me to see this woman? Or was it because it was so close to the anniversary of her death and that she was kind of reliving the memory? But I'm definitely a firm believer in the paranormal now. Well, Maddie, how extraordinary. I mean, that really must, well, it obviously did, messed with your mind. The fact that you saw something that you know 100% was paranormal. I mean, the fact that you were a non-believer to begin with and really changed your mind on the whole of the paranormal. To me, I love stories like this. It's absolutely fascinating. And it also makes you think, how many accidents, how many deaths are on our roadsides and motorways? And how many people we see walking along on the hard shoulder or on a road at night, how many of them aren't really there? How many of them are ghosts? Are they, as we've talked many times before, anniversary ghosts, stone tape theory? You know, are they really there? Or are they just memories being replayed out over and over again? The fact, Maddie, that you did your research was absolutely fascinating. And I tell people to do this all the time. If you're not sure, do your research and see if you can find anything connecting, uh, connected with what you've just seen. And that's exactly what happened to you. I think that's a, an amazing story. And thank you so much, Maddie, uh, for sharing that. And for anybody traveling on along the M55, you know, keep your eyes peeled. You may see that that young lady again. I'm sure that she is in a good place. And I'm sure that that is just a memory being played over and over again. But I wanted to share with you two of Britain's most haunted roads, for those of you who didn't know. So there is a place called Platt Lane in West Horton in the UK, and it's the site of a terrible mining accident that happened in 1910. Ghosts of miners are said to roam the pavements and pickaxes are seen swinging in their hands. The Bluebell Hill in Kent. This is a terrible story. Uh, there was a terrible car accident, fatally killing three women. Now, one of them was killed the day before her wedding day. And witnesses have reported seeing a woman dressed in a white wedding dress. She goes through the motions of being hit by a car. And then people get out the car, run round, absolutely traumatised that they've run somebody over, possibly killed her. And they go to the front, of the front of the car and there's nobody there. Time and time again, this image is being replayed and seen. Some people have even assisted a woman that looks bedraggled in a white dress, hurt. They've put her into the passenger seat of their car. They've talked to her. And then when they arrive at the destination, she's disappeared. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to A to Z of Men, a brand new podcast that helps explain, well, men. Each week, myself, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. We take on a different letter of the alphabet. What? In order? Yeah, in order. We will find a word that best describes men that starts with that letter. So it's basically like a guide. Like a guide, yeah, that's correct. This will really help me explain myself to the wife. We tackle topics such as mental health, stereotypes, and stupid things us men do. Don't forget sex. Oh, and sex. So join us each Wednesday as we create the A to Z of men. You can find us wherever you get your podcast from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast. Just search for A to Z of men. And our third story is from Michael, who got in touch uh, via email, who was considered to be a paranormal cynic uh, until experiencing a strange sensation at a paranormal museum. My name is Michael. This is my first experience with any form of paranormal activity, I guess. Before this experience, I guess I would be considered a sceptic or a paranormal agnostic, I guess. Um, I sort of believe, but not quite. I was intrigued by it, but I wasn't wasn't a true believer of anything paranormal or anything like that until I visited a haunted museum in my local area. On social media, I saw someone that I knew was opening a haunted museum in Stoke-on-Trent, and I had something that I thought they could add to the collection. It wasn't a haunted object, it was just a book, a mass-produced book that would look good in the collection about spells and uh, witchcraft. 
so I thought I could take that to them, they could display it where needed. So on the day of taking the book round to them, it was a week before their actual opening opening week, and the owner Craig gave me a quick tour around, a brief tour around the, the museum, showing me like displays that are going to be put up and how it's going to work. And we went upstairs, we went through all the seance room and the nursery, and the, we climbed the, the stairs. And there's a doll on the on a table called Mary, apparently, um, one of the most active dolls. 100 dolls in the UK and we walked around the rest of the collection and saw all the some artifacts and ended up in a, there's a chapel there with a haunted pew and then we went back round to Mary and I started getting a tingling and dry sensation in my hands my hand would sweat very quickly and then get bone dry and then sweat very quickly and then over and over again and then I started getting a tingling sensation from my fingertips up to about my elbow on both hands really like in a, like a cold spot. This wasn't from me like rolling up my sleeves or having my hands in my pockets and taking them out. This was just all of a sudden, really, really sweaty hands, then bone dry, then clammy, then tingling sensations over and over and over again. And it, this continued from being upstairs by the display and going back downstairs to be let out of the museum. I didn't say anything at the time until pretty much the end where I said, oh, my hands are a bit clammy. I don't know if it's just me overreacting to the, the museum itself or something actually happened, but I genuinely feel like there's some sort of experience, whether it's some energy exchanged or something. And since that experience, it has converted me more so towards paranormal investigations and activities and being more open-minded to the paranormal world. So I think from that experience, it's like, read from it what you will, really. Since then, this doll, Mary, has been very active um, it moves itself, it throws itself off its own little rocking chair, it, people have seen its eyes move, tourists have seen its eyes physically move, cameras have caught it falling off its display case in the early hours when it's all locked up, like there's no explanation for what why this doll shouldn't be able to move, so it's very interesting. Thank you so much, Michael, for uh, sharing that story. It's absolutely fascinating how your hands went from being really cold to being really clammy and sweaty, and you had this tingling sensation. The fact that you were a cynic as well, you didn't believe in any of it, and yet you were feeling these things. Seeing is believing. I always say that, or feeling is believing. It doesn't matter how many times people will say to you, Oh, you know, I can't believe you don't believe in the paranormal, you know. Oh, it's ridiculous, you know, there's so much evidence. But until you actually experience something for yourself, don't let anybody try and persuade you otherwise. I'm so pleased, Michael, that you experienced something. But one thing that I want to touch on here is haunted objects. And this haunted doll that you talk about, Mary, I mean, how fascinating and very, very creepy. I can't stand haunted objects. I, uh, put me in a room with haunted objects. Oh, I can't bear it. I'd rather be in the cellar with, with demonic spirits. And we've had our own experiences with a haunted object. It's a haunted doll. And we experienced something really extraordinary at Codnor Castle. And for those of you who have seen this footage, I think you'll agree that it is extraordinary. And for those of you who haven't seen it, then have a look. It's available on YouTube. 
So we were passed down through uh, uh, various people this alleged haunted doll. I was very sceptical, as was Glenn, our resident sceptic on Most Haunted, about haunted objects. Are they real? Can this sort of thing happen? Uh, how does it work? And so on. Anyway, we go to Codnell Castle, a place, uh, the farmhouse, that uh, no one allegedly has been able to live in since the 1970s. Many people have met their deaths there, some incredibly traumatic, uh, horrible deaths. Uh, one that I won't mention uh, now that involved a, a young girl. Um, but there's a really bad, horrible atmosphere as soon as you walk into the building. So on this particular investigation, we decided in our wisdom to take this alleged haunted doll. Now, rewind a little bit. So it was in our house, this doll. And me being very sort of, oh yeah, whatever, it's a doll, didn't really believe, like I say, in haunted objects. So it was placed inside a wooden box and was put into our cellar. Um, and uh, on the morning of us going off to do the investigation and to film, um, Carl decided to uh, get the doll uh, out of the cellar and immediately came running upstairs to me. In He was white as a sheet. What on earth's the matter? And he said, you've got to come and see this. So I went downstairs. He took me to the stairs. I looked down into the cellar and there, standing in the middle of the room, was the doll out of its box, which completely freaked me out. Couldn't believe it. Uh, anyway, uh, we then showed the doll to Watson, our bulldog. Again, we've put this online. And I think it's on the program. He went insane. I've never seen him react like this with anything. He was scared to death of this doll. Wouldn't go anywhere near it. His hackles were up. Was up. He was barking. He was. He was like a crazy possessed animal. We then put the doll, we were ready to go, we then put the doll back in the box, I wouldn't touch it, and Carl put it into the boot of the car. Um, we both jokingly said, halfway down the drive, oh, wouldn't it be weird if the doll wasn't in the box? Carl said, let's have a look. Got out of the car, just because we were joking about it, just thought it'd be funny, opened the boot, opened the uh, box, and the doll wasn't there. We both then ran back to the house, looked in the cellar, and there it was standing in the cellar. Now, people might go, oh, you're making it up, what a load of rubbish, but I know what I saw. Carl knows what he saw, and that doll moved on its own. It was extraordinary and absolutely terrifying. We then go and do the investigation. We take the doll to the most haunted room, which happened to be, to be the attic area. Uh, it has uh, timber frames up there. Um, it, it, you know, there's lots of gaps in the windows. And one, the main window at the front of the building allegedly is where a gentleman uh, hanged himself. He threw himself out of the window and um, very, very sadly uh, passed away. Um, and it, it was awful, and his spirit is supposed to, uh, to haunt this particular room. We put the doll um, on, uh, uh, on the floor against one of the um, timber frames, and we put a camera on it, asking for something to happen to the doll. I don't know why we did it, we just thought it was a good place to, to bring the doll uh, and see what would happen. And you actually see it combust into flames. It burst into flames. 
And it was the most terrifying thing that I'd witnessed for a very long time. How was this possible? Of course, the naysayers, the cynics, the skeptics, you know, oh gosh, you know, we had some sort of um, self-igniting um, combustible uh, fluid that was put onto the doll beforehand and it, was it had a timer on it and it set itself off. So what we did was we gave the doll to the Cheshire Fire Brigade who then did loads of tests on the doll and it's actually on the program he came back and said there was absolutely nothing on that doll that would allow it to go into flames, that would cause such uh, a thing to happen. And they were scratching their heads. But the freaky thing is, is that we put the doll, I wouldn't have it in the house, we put the doll in our barn, locked up with loads of uh, uh, chains all over it. We left it there. It's gone. Can't find it anywhere. The box and everything. It has disappeared. It's been over a year now, and we don't know where that doll has gone. Originally, it was with the Cheshire Fire Brigade. They gave it back to us, and now it's disappeared. So if you have a cellar, and you go down into your cellar tonight and see a strange-looking doll staring at you, you know where it's from. Thanks so much for sharing your paranormal experiences with us. Our guest on this episode is Georgina Clark, the previous landlord at the Black Horse in Pluckley, allegedly the most haunted village in Britain. She's joining us today to tell us her experiences when working at this haunted location. Well, welcome, George, to the Paranormal Activity Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So you were the landlady of the Black Horse Pub in Pluckley. Now, you must have experienced some strange things going on there. From the day I moved in, from the day I moved in, I was unpacking stuff in the kitchen and um, I had a little vest top on and a pair of um, jogging bottoms because it was running up and down the stairs and I had my arms stroked and um, I looked around, nobody there. So I'll go outside, I'll have a quick smoke and in the car park, at the back of the pub, I was standing there having a cigarette and I saw several black shadows moving around me and I thought, oh, a bit creepy. Went back into the pub, spoke to one of the girls that worked there for some years and I said, I've just seen a load of black shadows in the car park and she said, you'll see that all the time. And then went back upstairs, past one of the removal men and he said to me, good luck living here. I've just heard voices on the stairs, I'm off. And he went back to the van and dropped things at the front door and didn't come back into the pub again. <laughs> so that was day one. Did you not feel like you just wanted to run for it there and then? I love the paranormal stuff. I am I am actually quite a spiritual person and I do believe in ghosts and the afterlife and stuff like that. So I wasn't too phased by it, but my husband, he said he was an absolute skeptic. No such things as ghosts. Until he saw a few things. And now, even now, he doesn't quite believe because I think that if he agrees that there are there is something there, then he will see things more often. Right. So he's sort of putting it to the back of his mind because he's actually a little bit frightened. Oh, absolutely terrified. He would have been terrified if he sort of opens himself up to it to see more stuff. Then I don't think we would have lasted 10 months. So what else happened? Oh, goodness me. Um, they used to do ghost tours at the Black Horse. So you'd have like a, a tour company come in and they would specialize in get, doing ghost hunts. And I would have to stay downstairs till 2 a.m. That's what time they finished and then lock up. 
So they'd walk all around the apartment upstairs and um, there was one room at the very top of the building that I didn't like going into. So it just gave me a bit of a bad vibe. So I didn't go in there unless I absolutely had to. And that's where they would do their seances and their table tipping. And um, when they had finished, I'd go back upstairs. I'd lock up, obviously, go back upstairs, sit in the apartment and saucepan lids would come flying off the pan stand in the kitchen. Bread would come flying into the middle of the floor and it would just be like, right, they've disturbed us. We're not happy. So did you find out who was haunting the pub? I had a medium come in because um, I did see I did see the same man twice and the medium came in and he said his, he was from like the 16th century and he's very attracted to my long blonde hair, which kind of freaked me out because my, my hair was constantly being touched. How did you sleep at night? Well, I had um, in the bedroom, I would get to the threshold of the door and I would just say in a very loud voice, you do not have permission to come into this room. And nothing ever happened in the bedroom. It's funny you should say that because a lot of people uh, will say to me, you know, what do I, what do I do? What do I do? And I always say, first things first is talk to them. They're, they're people. We just can't see them. And just ask them politely, please, you know, I, I really don't want to be frightened. You're frightening me. Can you just leave me alone and leave that room? And like you, nine times out of ten, nothing will happen and they'll stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, I would hear... Children, all the time, I would hear children running, I would hear them laughing, giggling, and um, what else? There was one time I didn't start work till three o'clock in the afternoon, and my husband had gone to his place of work, and I was alone upstairs watching the TV, and I was watching an American program where the lady had arranged to meet a friend, and she'd gone to her, her friend's apartment, and the front door was open, and as she sort of like stepped gingerly into the apartment, she was saying, Hello? Hello, is there anybody here? Hello. And behind me, a voice said, hello. Oh, gosh. And I thought, and I thought, do not turn around. Do not turn around. And I didn't. And I just left them to it. But I would say good night. And I would say good morning every single day. Oh, they obviously liked you. I think when when they they don't like somebody, they certainly let you know. They do indeed, because the lady that was there, she'd been there for years, and she said, if they don't like you, they push you down the stairs. Oh my! And that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened to the previous landlady. She was pushed down the stairs. Oh, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. So, when you talk to your husband now, does he sort of look at you funny, or does does he actually accept that you know? that the pub was haunted and, and you know, that the things that you experienced were real? Well, well, he does believe to a degree, but like I say, if he kind of opens his mind to it fully, I think he would be, you know, he'd see more than he actually does. And he'd see things like, I'd be in, because it was quite a long apartment. It was like stretched over, mm. like one end to the other, obviously. And he'd just come into the kitchen and he'd be at the other end. And he said, did you just walk past me? I went, Darling, I'm here. And he said, I've just seen somebody walk into the wall. How can you like that? I'm, I'm definitely here. See things like that. It does make me giggle. Because I always say seeing is believing. So until you actually experience something, you know, you can't really believe in something that you can't see, can you? But if he's experiencing things, to me, it, it, it sort of just makes me giggle a little bit. Because I just think, gosh, well, surely he'd have to, he'd have to believe 
uh, now. But like you say, he's, he's probably just fine. So, George, would you agree that Pluckley um, is arguably the most haunted village in the whole of Great Britain? 100%, because even in the short time that I was there, and the only reason I'm not there now is because COVID, COVID struck and... Um, that was the end of my time at the Black Horse. But I had people coming from all over the world to have a look at the pub and to sort of sense things. And the amount of people that would come in with like detectors, apps on their phone trying to find something, even children would come in and, and just look for ghosts. Why do you think there's such a fascination with it? What's what's your take on it? Because you, you, like you say, you believe in it. You know, you're very open-minded you're a spiritual lady so why do you think so many people uh, want to see a ghost i don't know if it's a want to see one i think in my opinion i think that um people want to believe that there is something after this life that we're not here we're born we live a life we work our asses off we die and that's the end of it and i think you know it it gives people like something to hope for that there is something there and they can contact a loved one that they miss desperately. And that's what I certainly believe. I do believe that we are here just as for a reason and not just to live a life and then just die. There's a reason that we're all here. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. George, thanks ever so much. It's been really lovely talking to you. And, um, well, would you ever go back after, you know, when COVID is all sorted out? If you were asked, would you go back to the Black Horse? In a heartbeat. Um, and I'll be knocking on your door with my team. No, that's fine. You come on in. I <laughs> will do. It's lovely talking to you. Thank you so much, George. Take care. Thank you, Yvette. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We'll be back at the same time, same place next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. Send in an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address, paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And we also now have an Instagram page, so follow us at paranormalactivitypod. And we have a phone number too. Here it is again, 07599-927-537, Five, three, seven. And remember, things aren't always as they seem. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.